Sun Lawyer. So, you know, we're being hit with all kinds of gun laws that are attempted to be passed. And it's kind of, you know, surprising on one hand, because here we have this great Supreme Court decision that really lays out the scope and power and the force that is the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. And the response from essentially the Democrats, of course, is who cares? Let's push harder to pass more anti-gun laws that are absolutely unconstitutional, but let's get them passed. And that attitude is just that of a of a child, really. Just a child having a temper tantrum. And that's what they're doing. So, you know, we start with New York where uh, the governor you know, jams through uh, all these other restrictions on carry. And it's funny because, lo and behold, lawsuits have begun. And they just went in federal court. And the state says, oh, we need an extension so we can reply over why our laws are so good and righteous that we passed. And the judge said, sorry, no extension. And it's like, wow, not going to do it. You got to stay within the time frame because this judge is going to decide it before the law takes effect. And I'm pretty impressed because obviously that judge got the message. He got the message from the Supreme Court. You know, he read the memo. And uh, it's not going to be tolerated like he used to be. Because the courts know it. And they don't really want to be that judge that gets overturned. Because, you know, one of the things judges have going for them is their egos. And uh, they don't like being overturned. They don't want to be told they're wrong. They don't want that. And when it's blatant and plain as day, uh, they're not going to be that one out there just being foolishly stubborn, set in the old ways. No, this is the new day. It's a new day and a new dawn, and it's going to be a wake-up call to the anti-gunners. But for the moment, they're just going to continue in their ways of being angry little children, and the lawsuits are piling up. I just saw that California is not enforcing their magazine ban. That uh, directive went out, uh, at least in a major city, et cetera. No more enforcement of it because they know on the GBR of their magazine ban, ain't going to cut it. It's going to be unconstitutional. And for that matter, so is Jersey's. Now, Jersey's still enforcing their mag ban law, but they're on their deathbed with these gun laws. And remember, the assault weapon ban of of Maryland is on the chopping block, sent back at a GBR as well. And yet here we have the very issue, assault weapon, so-called, this contrived, made-up nonsense, distinguishing upon a firearm that is untrue, uh, that even the style guide for, I think it's the uh, for the writers, now says you can't call them assault weapons. You have to call them semi-automatic 
rifles. Even the propaganda-driven media is being forced into calling them what they are. And it's simply semi-automatic rifles. And the challenge, the GBR challenge, is on the ban of, of course, the pejorative use of the term assault weapon. And it's not going to be upheld. And down as dominoes, we'll see, I'm confident, Jersey's law go down and all the other places that have it. Yet, that doesn't stop the Democrats in the Congress, in the United States federal government, from pushing and what will probably be passage of a federal assault weapon ban. That's right. The House is pushing an assault weapon ban. And this is after the last one that was passed in 1994, and it went 10 years, and then it was automatically sunset to 2004. And part of that law was to study its effect. And now this is the government's own study that said it didn't have any effect on crime. It had no effect. It was ineffective. But why should that stop Democrats from passing a gun law? Of course it won't. And just because the Supreme Court has basically said the assault firearm bans are unconstitutional, but why should that stop Democrats from passing an assault weapon ban? None of this doesn't matter. What does this tell you? This tells you that it's not about stopping crime. It's not about any claim of making us safer. That's all BS. It's about an agenda, folks. It's about an agenda that they have to promote regardless of any of the facts that counter their lies. And it's an agenda of civilian disarmament. It's an agenda of disenfranchisement of individual Second Amendment rights. That's their agenda. And everything they do when it comes to what we know and love, our Second Amendment rights, our right to keep and bear arms, everything the Democrats do is to end that right, is to take it away, to delimit it, as Judge Thomas said in the opinion. And that's what you see him do at all different angles. You know what other federal bill they're pushing right now in Congress with the Democrats tied into or in conjunction with the assault weapon ban? Ending the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. Ending the protection that gun dealers, gun makers, etc., the firearm industry has from frivolous litigation that is designed to sue gun industry into non-existence. That protection is there federally to stop that nonsense by the trial lawyers and company. And there are the Democrats with the bill to repeal it and make it open season. And if they can use and abuse the civil system to go at our right to keep and bear arms, to go at guns, 
so be it. And the prices will skyrocket, and it'll become more difficult and harder, and people get disenfranchised, etc. All part of their agenda. So even though we've made tremendous progress with the Supreme Court decision, and this progress is there, and you're going to see more and more cases hammering away and knocking out the gun laws, it doesn't stop the Democrats from trying to take away our rights. Now, of course, there are a few rhino Republicans in the mix. Not a lot, but they're there. But it's primarily the Democrats. And there are a couple Democrats that still uh, believe in the Constitution, believe it or not, and are, and, and are not going to trample on the Second Amendment. A few. But the majority of all this attack on our Second Amendment rights, the whole agenda and narrative, is pushed by Democrats. Now, that doesn't mean that Republican rhinos don't get played as suckers. Oh, they surely do. And we just saw that happen in the Senate when they passed the Senate gun control package. Now, what do these rhino Republicans say? Hey, well, it could have been worse. We didn't ban assault weapons. We didn't, you know, we didn't, in other words, we only, we only harmed some of your rights. But we didn't harm all your rights. Isn't that great of us? We only gave away the store and gave away some of your rights and got nothing in return, by the way, zero in return to the pro-gun side. And these rhinos, like, Cornyn of Texas, who spearheaded this, somehow think that that did us well, that he did good by us, that somehow we're supposed to thank him, thank him. You know, this is this whole administration approach. Yeah, they wanted to empty our, our, our bucket of rights, and they only took, um, you know, a quarter of the bucket. It wasn't that nice of them. They didn't take the whole bucket. It's like now they're, you know, the gas prices went down a little bit. Still over $4 a gallon, but you know, Biden's taking victory laps. Oh, I reduced gas prices. Yeah. You reduced them. It's still sky high. What are you talking about? You know, oh, you know, well, not as high as they were. Well, good such a good job. You know, it's still double. Well, this is like their attitude. It's an attitude to our rights too. We could have taken more of your rights, but we didn't. Aren't you glad? You should thank us. No. Don't take any of our rights. It's simple. Expand our rights. Give us more rights back. Judge Thomas gave us rights back. Be a Judge Thomas. Okay? Get us rights back. Gain our freedom. Gain these liberties. Now, they sit there and legislate our liberties and freedoms away and then think that somehow that's doing good, that somehow we're all happy and appreciative of that? Hell no. Yet, here we are. Now, if you look locally at many of the things going on, you do see some states that apparently have accepted the ruling and are not 
acting like uh, angry little toddlers the way New York is. Uh, and believe it or not, so far, it's New Jersey. It's one of the good ones that is saying, hey, our carry license system stays the way it is, but no more justifiable need. And they didn't go crazy yet, maybe they're going to, of all kinds of uh, restrictions and take the New York approach of all that. Hasn't happened yet. Now, we are running into a lot of issues, of course, because just the bureaucracy itself uh, in dealing with it. We're getting all kinds of varied reports that some towns are requesting excess information. Like they want like a resume from some of someone applying. They want uh, all these added things, and that's not going to fly. And there's been delays. Some places say we're not taking any applications, so there's more guidance. I mean, just refusing getting reports of uh, <clears throat> challenges to what is the correct training or meets the grade or doesn't. And there's all these issues happening. Individuals that we had with the carry licenses for armored car that were getting renewal, and they're like, hey, we don't want it restricted. And for security guards, we don't want it restricted. Why should it be? We have a right to carry in public, make it a full general carry. And some of the courts are requiring a complete reapplication, even though they were being granted it, the limited license for their profession. And there's nothing different in the application. Oh, no, you want to go non-restricted, you got to reply all over again. Really, why? So we're seeing these kind of bureaucratic issues come up. And they're going to get dealt with, and as the dust settles, it'll get easier, I'm sure. But at least uh, it wasn't a retaliatory action by New Jersey. Same with Cary in Maryland, same with uh, carry in other states, and and you do see some of the states uh, are just following what the court said. And look, if you're from a total liberal state that hates guns and you hate this court and hate all that, but you know what? If you don't respect the court decision now, when your issue comes up later and the court goes your way, you want the other side to follow it. And this is our system. We have a system where the court has the power to do judicial review for constitutionality, and they have done so. That's part of our check and balances to the government. And to thumb your nose at it is wrong. And even if you don't like the outcome, it's wrong. If we're going to be a constitutional government, then we need to follow the Constitution and what it means. And our court is designed to put out that very instruction that sometimes isn't crystal clear and it needs to be stated. And that's what they do. And that's how our branches of government operate. So it's definitely interesting times, but I have some cool letters and some other stories to tell you, particularly some more stupid kid stuff when we come back. See you in a bit. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. 
a fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, we're back. And thanks for being a Gun Lawyer listener. I really appreciate your time and the time we get to spend together. Get to have uh, good conversations, get the word out about these things. Hopefully get a lot of folks thinking about the stuff we talk about here. We're going to be continuing in our fight for liberty together. So please make sure you subscribe to Gun Lawyer and have your friends subscribe. You can get Gun Lawyer Podcasts, whatever you get your favorite podcast, we're there. Just give a listen, it's free. So... We are talking last time about stupid kid stuff, and I've gotten some interesting responses, and I'm putting together more of a package to talk about all the other stupid kid stuff that others have sent in. Uh, Somebody actually told me a fun one that made me go, oh boy, Uh, had a slingshot, and he said his buddies, they got a box of uh, cartridges, you know, just ammo, box of ammo. And they would shoot the slingshot, the ammo, at rocks. So when the ammo hit the rocks, it would it would explode, It'd make a bang and, you know, pop when they'd shoot it. He said, oh, boy, yeah, that qualifies as stupid kid stuff right there. I give it that. And uh, these are the kind of things we did. But, you know, uh, when I was... When I was uh, young, and luckily a long time ago, my father had a garden, and it was the entire backyard was the garden. It was pretty incredible. And he grew tremendous amounts of vegetables that we all ate. And we were not in a farm, by the way. We were like suburbia, USA. They were in the suburb. But he just turned the whole backyard into this garden and grew magnificent green beans and zucchinis and all kinds of stuff back there. And it was big. He loved it. But you see, back there we had uh, some problems with some animals. We had squirrels. We had an abundance of squirrels. Like just, I don't know where they all came from, but, you know, it was full of oak trees and other things. We just had lots. And the squirrels would attack 
the garden. So my dad said to me as a kid, he said, look, Evan, if you could help take care of some of these squirrels, I'd really appreciate it. And I'm like, that's cool, because I had a Benjamin 22 caliber air rifle, one of those pump-up Benjamins, and they're pretty strong. And uh, I would pump that Benjamin up 10 pumps, and it had almost kind of like a hair trigger, which was nice. It was very accurate. And I it was just fantastic. I mean, I'm just saying as a kid, I mean, I shot that so much, it was just dead on with the Benjamin. And so what I used to do is I'd come home from school. I looked forward to it. Come home from school. I have the little radio on in my room. I'd open my window over my bed, and I could lean right out there, and I had a perfect spot to view the entire backyard garden for critters. And when the squirrels would come in, I would dispatch them with one round to the head with the Benjamin. And I was taking squirrel after squirrel after squirrel for day after day, and I just, it was enjoyable, and basically it was squirrel hunting out my window, right? And it was, I was doing father a favor, and I guess I was. And then what we did was you could take the squirrel tails, and you could cut off the tails, and you could sell them to MEPS Lure Company, which we did, which I did. They sent them in. They pay like 25 cents a tail. I don't know if they still buy squirrel tails, but they did in those days because they made lures out of them, bucktails. Remember, the tail of a squirrel is a buck as well as on a deer. And the, the squirrel tail, the hair on the tail of the squirrel has, is hollow for the oxygen, just like on a deer. So it floats real nice in the water for lure making with the different hairs. So you could, I could send them in and get 25 cents, and I'm popping squirrels with the air gun as a kid out my back window on a pretty regular basis. Now... Um, there was a house right across the way from me, and there was another one to the side, another one to the right, but I was always firing downward into the garden from the window. I wasn't stupid, but that's what we did, although it was stupid kid stuff when you get right down to it, because I could have gotten in a lot of trouble looking back. Of course, I didn't know this, doing that very thing, but who knew? Well, one of the things I got as a kid as well is at the flea market, I got a thing called a carbide cannon. I don't know if you ever heard of a carbide cannon, but it looks like a cannon. It's a toy, but it's kind of an advanced toy because it uses this stuff called bang sight. And bang sight is the same stuff that would go in a miner's. The old days, the miners had their headlamps, and you added water to this stuff, and it created acetylene gas, you know, and that's what their flame was from. And what you found was if you put this stuff in and you added the water, and then it had a sparker, and you push the sparker down, the cannon made a really loud bang. And they were called, you know, bang cannons. And you could, some of you may have played with them as kids or known about it. It was a lot of fun because you're, making a pretty loud bang with a little bit of a flash and a flame, but it wasn't uh, as dangerous as, as it sounds because this the flame, it didn't create a lot of pressure when it made the bang. As a matter of fact, the original uh, bang cannons, the original ones, were made of glass, believe it or not. They're very collectible. The very first ones you could they did this with were made of glass. It means the glass wouldn't shatter. So there isn't a lot of pressure from these, but they made a nice 
bang, almost a firecracker like bang. So I had this cannon out in the front yard with a bunch of my friends and kids and everyone from the neighborhood was over and we're all playing with this thing. And one of the folks there was this girl, uh, lived behind me, her name was Kim and there were others and we were all playing around and every kid took a shot at making it go bang and it was really fun and just cool days as a kid, right? Well, a number of years later, I mean a number of years later, I forgot where I was, but I, I, I ran into uh, Kim and just catching up on a few, you know, things. And she said, boy, she said, boy, I remember that cannon you had. And I said, oh, yeah, remember that cannon? That thing was fun. She goes, you love that cannon. And I said, well, I really did. It was fun. Yeah, but you'd come home every day after school and you would shoot that cannon out your back window of your home. And I'm like, thinking to myself, no, I didn't. I only took it out once. Like, oh. And what I realized is that the Benjamin had that big, big round black that looks like the muzzle, but it's where the pump is when you look at the front of the Benjamin. And on the top, there's just a little tube that the pellet came out. But if you're looking at a distance, you see a big round muzzle that almost looks like a shotgun muzzle, but it's not. It's the pumping mechanism. So the whole time that I'm shooting squirrels down, she was looking out a window and seeing me shoot that and thinking, oh, I'm just blasting my cannon because it did make kind of a crack when you had 10 pumps and a Benjamin. And she just thought I was shooting my cannon out that window. She never bothered to look down and see the squirrels piling up, I guess. Whatever. But there you go. True story. Kid stuff. You know, that, that was an experience. And... In the same way, we had rabbit issues, and they were harder to, to get, I don't know, more elusive. But one of the days it was at flea market, my dad had picked up one of those Havahart traps, very cheap. Guy was selling a, the big box, catch them live, Havahart. And this was the really large one they sell. I mean, the really big one. And it was cheap, and my dad was, let's see if we can catch some of them rabbits with this, and try to get rid of them, and I go, okay. So I was into it. sounded cool. Let's try to set a trap, see what we could do. So I set this really big trap, and it was taller than the usual ones you see. It was pretty damn large. And um, I guess it was like raccoon size, basically. It was so big. And I set it. I put, like, apples in it and stuff. And set up. Sure enough, like the next day or so, the lids are down. I caught some. Oh, I can't wait. Let's see what's in it. I come up to it. I couldn't believe it. It's like the world's largest rabbit I'd ever seen. This rabbit in there was so big, he was hunched over from the top of the trap. He was giant. It was like Harvey the giant rabbit. I could not. I was just. It was not some little cottontail. This thing was freaking enormous so i tell my dad dad i caught a rabbit the rabbit that was tearing up the garden and, all, and he's so big it's insane and my dad's like what and we go sure enough this thing was you know it must have been as big as a as a, as a medium-sized dog i mean we were just astounded by how big this dog this rabbit i'm like so dad what are we going to do with this rabbit this giant rabbit and my father, he wasn't as uh, much of a, you know, 
hunter killer as I was, I guess. He said, look, well, let's put him in the vehicle. We'll drive him far away and we'll let him go. I go, okay, as long as you get rid of him from, you know, the garden here. Right? So we put him in the back of the old station wagon. My dad drives and drives and he crosses Route 35 and he drives and he drives. And finally, you see this patch of woods. And he pulls over here and he's like, you know what? Perfect spot. Let's let the rabbit loose here in the woods in the middle of nowhere here off the highway. And it's like, okay. So we open it up, right? Well, we had discovered what this rabbit was, by the way. It was known as a Belgian hare. A Belgian hare, which is, look at them up. They're giant, they're basically somebody's pet escaped, I guess, from somewhere. But the things are enormous, this Belgian hare. Anyway, we open this, we let the rabbit go, and he's hop, hop, hop. This giant monster Belgian hare hops into the woods. It's like, all right, we throw the trap back in the station wagon, and we drive off, and we make a quick right down the road, make another right. You know, we're just going to turn around. And as soon as we make the right, we saw that the woods were not woods. It was about a grand total of maybe 8 to 10 feet of woods. And then the entire other side opened into a farmer's field of farmlands. Could you imagine the farmer seeing us releasing the biggest freaking rabbit you've ever seen on like like super like look like radiation you know like the hulk of rabbits releasing this onto his farm he would have shot us but there you go so that was some fun times with dad let me tell you fun stuff hey i got a letter here from um from Harisram, and what he says is, hello, if you have a magazine that's labeled as a 10-round mag, but the 11th round can be forced into it, is that an illegal mag? And the answer is yes. It doesn't matter what the mag says. If it holds over 10 rounds in the mag, then it is arguably a large-capacity magazine. Now, and the good news is that law should soon fairly soon be declared unconstitutional officially and be dead. But look, you need to be compliant. You don't want to end up with a problem because having a mag over 10 rounds is a fourth-degree crime in Jersey. You're looking at 18 months in state's prison as a max sentence if you have a mag that holds 11 rounds instead of 10. So be careful of that. I got another letter here from David who said... Um, Hi, Evan. Love your podcast. I learned so much from them. With the advent of CCW permits, I'm hoping you can talk about the current law requires in terms of places where farms are not allowed. Also, it is illegal to leave a farm locked and loaded in a vehicle if you're going to a restricted area. Well, here's the deal. The New Jersey is interesting because it was always there for the elites. They did not pass a lot of regulation that restricted, once you had a carry, uh, if you had an unrestricted, where you could go and what you could do. So, for example, New Jersey does not distinguish between open carry and concealed carry. So the carry license in Jersey is, is a possession license. Part of the charge is you're charged with unlawfully possessing without a carry license. 
But there's nothing that says about having to have it concealed or not concealed. And as far as sensitive places, uh, there's no sensitive places other than what you would normally expect, school zones, etc., are a sensitive place. But in the law, we don't have the situation that New York attempted to pass in New Jersey by just creating endless places of restriction and problem. Uh, there really isn't. Um, you, you know, federal buildings are restricted, and like I said, educational facilities, and you do have to be mindful of individual places that don't want guns because then you can become a trespasser if you have guns there. And uh, But for the most part, they didn't do a lot of heavy laws on where you can carry and all that because of the known impossibility of getting the carry license and that law worked to just prosecute anybody and everybody that had a handgun that was in any way outside the exemptions for possession, those narrow exemptions, and then the handful, you know, 600 or less of the elites that had it, well, they're the elites anyway, so it doesn't matter. And now it's a different story. I'm sure we'll see more restrictions proposed. I'm sure that things are going to be evolving as they are. And I'm sure we'll see administrative actions on other places and problems where you can't carry. As far as locking in a vehicle, you want to lock it and secure it in a lockbox. The reason I say that is you don't want to have your gun accessible to being stolen. It's not illegal to leave it locked in your vehicle, but there can be that stolen firearm issue that Jersey has. And so if you have one of the lock boxes that are cabled, metal cabled, and it's cabled like to the bottom of your seat, and then you lock the gun in the box and it's secured in that metal cable to the vehicle box, that's pretty damn responsible leaving it in your car that way. And I'd suggest... If you have to, that's what you do. But it's the same as your possession in your vehicle. You're still possessing it. And if you have a carry, then you're able to possess it, and that means you can possess it in your vehicle, and you can lock it in your vehicle. But the stolen gun issue is something any responsible gun owner wants to be careful about. And so you need to take the precautions and the devices to to protect you from being a victim of theft and ending up with a whole big problem over your ability to safely handle and store firearms are the advent of these uh, lock boxes that cable. There are other boxes that you can even bolt to the floor of your car. Uh, Make sure you cover it as well. Cover it, conceal it, not just have it in the lock box, but that it's covered and concealed so that such boxes or locking devices can't be seen from the outside. You know, use common sense here and protect your goods as you would anything else of value that you might store in your car. All right, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. 
Consult a licensed attorney in your state.